Hello and welcome back to Instant Insights. I'm Carolina Pinto and today I'm delighted to welcome back Rory Green, Head of China and Asia Research at TS Lombard. Rory, how are you? I'm great, thanks, Carolina. Great to be back. In our previous episode, we discussed how we are moving into a new era of global trade known as reglobalization. The golden era of globalization, where global trade was purely driven by profit, was, in my understanding, triggered by China joining the World Trade Organization in 2001, which opened the world up to China's cheap labor in low-end manufacturing. Today, the shift away from globalization towards reglobalization has been caused by a shift in global politics and growing U.S.-China competition. Rory, do you think U.S.-China tensions will trigger a second shockwave in global trade? And if so, what are the global implications of this shock? Yes, um, big, big topics. And I'm going to immediately add a kind of theme to this is that in combination with the this geopolitical tension, this reglobalization, we've also got a change in China's growth model, which is also going to, to kind of turbocharge this trade shock and add to what was the, the China shock joining the WTO in the early 2000s. And then we're going to have a new version of this China shock going forward. And part of that is this new growth model, which has gradually emerged over the past sort of five, six years, but really accelerated under the pandemic. And what we've got is an attempt to change economic growth drivers and basically switch from property uh, and credit led growth to a growth model that's much more heavily focused on tech investment and, and dominance of these emerging uh, industries. Uh, there's a little bit of an emphasis on consumption, but really it's, it's a huge bet, a huge reallocation of resources for everything that was channeled into property, heavy industry is now reallocated to focus on uh, these advanced manufacturing and technology components. In specific, what are these advanced technologies and will China be successful in achieving this transition towards a new growth model? Yeah, basically the, the goal is is quite rational. And I think we have to give Xi Jinping a bit of credit. It's very rare you hear someone say that these days, but I think he quite rightly recognized that China's old growth model was dying. There's a, only a limit of how far you can push uh, property uh, leveraged growth, but it's going to be very difficult economic transition. This type of structure reform is really painful and growth will certainly be slower for China. Moreover, they're really attempting this transition at a very difficult time where we have three very large growth headwinds. We call them the three Ds, all the debt associated with property that's built up, the decoupling of geopolitics and some supply chains and looming a decade down the, down the horizon is, is the demographic challenge for China. Everything on China tends to be very polarizing. China is either going to collapse or it's going to take over the world. And the reality is much more sort of shades of gray. There will be big successes and there already are in EVs and batteries and clean energy, but growth will definitely be slower um, and tech progress will not be, be even across the board. But regardless of China's success, global supply chains remain intrinsically tied to China. What are some of the global implications of China's investment in advanced technologies, especially for the US and Europe? 
Yeah, so this is where the, the new trade shock part comes in. China is unique in history at this point in that it still has relatively cheap emerging market wages, but it at the same time also has developed market technical capability, particularly in production. And it's got all of that on a massive scale. And that combination of cheap wages, advanced manufacturing capability is going to be a huge challenge uh, for the US and Europe and trade competition uh, between these blocks will intensify. If you think that when BYD, China's leading electric vehicle producer, is selling more than BMW, there are definitely going to be problems with the relationship between Beijing and Berlin. And what used to be a very complementary model, China buys uh, advanced capital goods, luxury goods, uh, expensive cars from Europe and sells cheaper goods back, is, is now reversing. China sells everything. It's in competition at each level of the value chain, of the supply chain. And this trade shock is going to be pretty uh, substantial, I think, particularly for Germany uh, and some of the other legacy manufacturers in Europe and the US. That may be why German manufacturers are now looking into investing in Chinese EV companies. For example, earlier this year, Volkswagen bought a 5% stake in Xpeng, the Chinese EV maker. Exactly. Yeah, we're seeing some signs of panic from uh, from German industry, these investments, trying to buy kind of some, some of Chinese IP, some access to these very successful EV producers. And then at the political level, Europe has started an investigation into mm -hmm. uh, Chinese electric vehicle exports as well. So signs of panic emerging, but Europe is a bit like a super tanker. It takes a long time to turn and to change policy. So we'll have to wait a bit, I think, to see. <laughs> I like the analogy of the super tanker. Uh, moving on now a bit to the US, um, as you mentioned before, there are growing US-China sanctions, particularly focused on advanced technologies and advanced manufacturing. How will Beijing's move up the value chain from low-end manufacturing to more high-end impa be impacted by the US-China sanctions? I think there are going to be you know, three very broad phases uh, in terms of the impact of US sanctions on China's economy and its tech progress. Um, the first phase where we are now is actually more rapid catch-up. So China, in response to sanctions, invests more local companies turn to the local supply chains and a lot of low-hanging fruit in terms of technological advancement is achieved. The second phase comes when we have harder technical barriers to production, maybe around semiconductors, getting right down to those low nanometer output of chips. And at the same time, we also have tougher US restrictions on what IP China can access from the rest of the world. And in this second phase, China progress stalls and they start to fall behind the leading edge and the US probably gets an acceleration there. Uh, so we're still in phase one, but probably moving to this phase two in the next couple of years as US sanctions ratchet up on China and that low hanging fruit fades away. And then finally, after many years, I think we'll come to, to the third phase, which is where China is roughly comparable to the West in, in key technical areas and probably ahead in, in, certain, in certain aspects and has its own quite advanced domestic supply chain. I think we're still very much in, in phase one where China catch up is actually accelerating as it invests more. But on the other hand, China is retaliating in terms of sanctions. Will yeah. US 
uh, industry be affected by that and hindered yeah. their development or or at least their access to certain hardware? Or do you not think uh, they will be as affected as China will by the sanctions? Yeah, that, that's a really good, good point, because the, the China market is still super important. And as you, you flagged earlier, China dominates a large chunk of you know, rare earth supply chains, solar panels, you know, a range of key inputs to global manufacturing. And I think the the capacity here for China is that the, the threat of retaliation can prolong um, phase one, where China is in, in sort of more rapid catch up mode and US uh, restrictions on China acquiring foreign IP are not you know, super tight. Uh, because the the logic that you outlined, the, the fear is China will retaliate and you get damage to the US economy, to the global economy, and particularly risky is you know, potentially spikes of inflation from supply chain disruption. And that is definitely uh, what Biden would like to avoid going into an election year. So that, that supply chain dominance, potential blowback onto US industry, the US economy, I think keeps some kind of check on how hard the Biden administration is willing to go on the, the sanctions path. Yes, the 2024 election will definitely impact this back and forth. Now, for a final question, let's look ahead. In a world where national security plays such a pivotal role in industry, what might the tech supply chain look like in 10 to 20 years? Yes, so this is a really big, big question. I think important to think in these kind of longer time frames, especially around decoupling, because as we discussed, China is so entrenched in these supply chains and it is such an important market that any decoupling is going to be a very long and painful process for everyone, not just China. And I think where we can look to to try and gauge the direction of travel is maybe what's happened to, to Huawei. Chinese smartphone maker and leading provider of 5G telecommunication equipment. Now, Huawei is effectively banned in most of Europe, most of developed markets, certainly in the US, but it's actually one market share across the rest of the world as the cheapest provider of 5G. And I think looking ahead, we potentially might see something similar for a, a vast array of tech products. So Europe and the US have this choice that they are making now whether to go green cheap and quickly, effectively using Chinese goods, uh, Chinese solar panels, or slowly and more securely and more expensively by developing their own technology. The rest of the world doesn't really have that choice. The most rational option for them is to buy cheaper Chinese goods that are technically competitive versus US or European products. If that trend continues, we could have the fracturing of the world into two technology spheres, one of a Chinese sort of supply chain dominated one and another uh, centered more on, on the US and Europe. Yeah, I think that this is yet another sign of what some experts like to call the balkanization of global supply chains. Anyways, thank you, Rory, for those instant insights. Thank you for listening. And from us at Thematic Intelligence, see you next time.